Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Yep, I'm back for another episode of This Week in the Word. We're continuing our series, Hope for Hard Times, in First and Second Peter. Last week, we finished the epistle of First Peter, and today we're going right into the second letter of Peter. Hope for Hard Times, episode 19, What the Remnant Must Remember. This is the episode for Sunday, November 12th, 2023. Here's what the remnant must remember. Number one, in 1 Peter, we learn about suffering and persecution and how to go through that successfully with the Lord Jesus Christ. And number two, we're going to begin to learn today from 2 Peter how to stand in times of apostasy and defection. That is, when people leave the faith. Now, you know, the same readers and hearers that got the first letter of the Apostle Peter They are also the same people who get the second letter of the Apostle Peter. The same readers and hearers must hold to sound doctrine. That means healthy teaching. Right in the midst of the apostasy, the falling away from the truth in the church. And you know, it would help if they had eyewitness confirmation of the truth of the gospel. And the apostle Peter is just the man because he knew the Lord Jesus Christ when he walked this earth. He saw the miracles done. He saw the resurrected Lord. He saw the ascension. He saw the church born. He saw the Bible, uh, the New Testament, begun to be given by the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Peter is just the guy to reinforce these Christians about the gospel being the truth. Now, to whom did Peter write 2 Peter? Well, as we just said, we'll see here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, these words, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So the readers and hearers of that first letter are sent this second letter by the Apostle Peter. Now, we see to whom he wrote, but why did Peter write a second letter to the same Christians? Didn't he tell them everything they needed to know in the first letter? Well, he told them a lot, but mainly he's reminding them, he's telling them again about the truth of Christianity, the true faith. The big idea of 2 Peter is remember the Son of God, remember the Word of God, and to grow and know the Son of God. Grow in the Word and know more deeply 
the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the big idea. Now, we're going to skip ahead a little bit, and we're going to come back to First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1, but I want to read for you in Second Peter 1, we're going to drop down to verses 12 through 15. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet. That means he, he thinks it's fitting or suitable. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle. And he's talking about his body and living on the earth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, he's talking about his death here, moreover, I will enable that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. So there it is, in case you didn't get it when I said it earlier, the reason the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Peter to write this second letter and what it contains is so that these believers in the Lord Jesus Christ would be reminded about the truth of what they believe. Now, when did Peter write his second, and we know uh, this to be his last letter? This is important because it's going to give us more insight into what the Holy Spirit used to urge and motivate Peter to write the second letter. Well, let's look at it like this. If 1 Peter was written roughly A.D. 62, to 64, so probably a little over 30 years after the the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, and the birth of the church, so uh, 30 plus years later, that would put it about 1 Peter, um, uh, 1 Peter being written about 62 to 64 AD, then most likely the second letter Peter wrote would have been roughly 64 to 65 AD. And right now you're saying, well, so what? Well, here's the so what. Right about that time is when Nero, the deranged Caesar of Rome, began a massive persecution against the Christians. And it is believed that the apostle Peter died in that and uh, uh, probably a couple of years after that, two or three, four years after, the Apostle Paul died the, at the hands of Nero. So, say, all right, again, and, all right, here's the end. These would be the last words 
the last will and testament, if you want to think of it like that, the final instructions, the dying words, so to speak, of the apostle Peter. And he is highly motivated to make sure that every person who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ could be reinforced and reminded. That idea of remember and remind or some form of that word or that idea is, is riddled. Uh, for Second Peter is riddled with that concept of don't forget this, remember this, rem be reminded about this, bring this to mind, remember this. So now you've got a pretty good handle on this and you have a better understanding prayerfully of why this is so urgent. Now, when we look around the world scene today with things happening all around us on a global basis that pretty much appear to me to be setting in place the world as it will be during the book of the Revelation during the tribulation when the Antichrist rules, and I believe the rapture of the church is imminent. I don't know when it will be, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was at any point. And then that 70th week of Daniel, the time of Jacob's trouble, that's the Jewish people, begins to unfold on the earth. And the Antichrist is unveiled and just that awful, awful time in this world, which I know the church will be delivered from, but this is what I want to stress to you. Don't think of that in terms of, oh, well, life will be lollipops and roses, you know, strawberries and cream, a day at the amusement park, right up until the day of the rapture, and then bam, you know, Everything is dropped on the world. The hammers drop. I don't think it's going to be like that. And the Lord Jesus Christ talked about those days and he used, as you've heard me mention before, the, uh, the metaphor, the analogy, he compared it to a, a woman in birth pains. And you know how that goes. It's just a little bit at first, then it's a little stronger, the contractions are closer together, and then it gets pretty intense. And I mean, I've never gone through that, but apparently it is awful. But it 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 ramps up to the <laughs> the worst part of it, and that's the idea, a way that the Lord used to explain how the world is going to end up in that time. You don't have to be Albert Einstein a rocket scientist, if you will, to figure out that, yeah, things are pretty much trending that way. Now, could massive revival break out and uh, uh, that be slowed down? Yeah, God could do that. Could, um, could it take a lot longer than we think to get where we're heading? That could happen. But it just seems to me when we talk about things are falling apart, it's more like things are falling into place. It's almost like every single day, some new detail emerges that I think to myself and other people who studied 
Bible prophecy with you are seeing to themselves like, huh, that's exactly what the Bible said would happen. And boom, there it is. Now, for you skeptics out there who might be saying, oh, no, no, you know, it's always been like this and everything's always been like this and blah, 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 blah. Hey, have you got a surprise coming in Second Peter? You stick with us and you are going to get gobsmacked like going Denzel upside your head when you read Second Peter. But anyway, let's say that you're saying that right now. Like, ah, well, it's not really that bad. Uh, if, if we aren't heading there, but with things we see going on around us nowadays, it looks a lot like it. <laughs> and I think we're very, very, very close, closer than you could even possibly imagine. Now, thinking of that idea of being remembering things and being reminded about things and bringing things to memory and not forgetting things. I had an amazing experience this weekend. I went to a fitness boot camp and it was just the first episode of it. There's going to be more to come each week for several weeks. I thought in my mind, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out of shape, but I can do this. It's not going to be too bad. You know, the young people have a phrase they use now, like um, like the Georgia Bulldogs truck the Mississippi uh, Rebels, the Ole Miss Rebels, which they did. That word is T-R-U-C-K-E-D. Everybody thought it's going to be a close game. I thought it was going to be close. Everybody thought that. Man, when the game got going by the end of it, the Ole Miss Rebels, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying this is what happened, and I'm sure they feel that way. The Ole Miss Rebels had been trucked by the Georgia Bulldogs. That means they'd been hit like being run over by a truck. Well, I'm going to use that idea with me going to fitness boot camp. In my mind, I thought, I can do this. I'm ready for this. I've worked out before. I played sports before. I've lifted weights, ridden a bicycle, jump rope, all that run, all that kind of stuff. This shouldn't be too bad, although it's going to be a little hard because I haven't been doing it in a long time. Let me tell you people, I got trucked. <laughs> I, I am in massive pain today from the, the most intense workout I've ever been through in my entire life. All happened yesterday in the space of about an hour and a half. I was completely unprepared for it. So with that idea in mind, think of it like this. If Christians were not told the things that we're, we've been hearing in 1 Peter and are going to hear as we go through 2 Peter, it would be easy for them to be taken by complete surprise. And the Holy Spirit cares about you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ so much that he tells you in advance how to, how to remember the right things and to not fall into doubt and to not give up and not be trucked by suffering and persecution and the falling away of the church from the truth. So here we go. Second Peter chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 4. Simon Peter, so that we know that's who wrote it. You know these, uh, and I've got three earned degrees, including a doctorate from a seminary, so I'm not anti-education, but these theological know-it-alls, some of them, those who mock the Bible, some of them. Now, there's some great people of faith who are got more degrees in a thermometer, and they love the Lord Jesus Christ, and they love his word. But there's some of them that have all these degrees, and they're so pompous, and they'll say, well, we really don't know who wrote Second Peter. Well, uh, yes, we do. The very first the two words of Second Peter say Simon Peter. So let's end all question and discussion on that. Simon Peter is the apostle Peter. He's the disciple called Simon that the Lord named Peter. That guy, Simon Peter. Now it's interesting that he doesn't just say Peter, an apostle. That isn't what he says. He says, Simon Peter. This reminds us that this man was not perfect. He failed a lot. Um, he, he made some very serious mistakes. We, we, we sinned. We know all of this. And yet, this one has been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ and made an apostle. But notice what he says. Simon Peter, a servant, a bond slave is the word. It's the lowest form of slave in the Greek language. Uh, to get lower than a bond slave, you had to be dead. This was the lowest form of, bond, uh, of, of a servant. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. So he's, he's not denying that he's been given this office by the Lord Jesus Christ of a hand-picked ambassador, representative, spokesman, evangelist for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is that, but he also knows and doesn't mind if everyone else knows that, yep, I'm Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's kind of an amazing thing when you think about it. It's not hard to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Jewish Messiah, and he was born uh, of the tribe of Judah, and he was the uh, uh, descendant of David, the great King David. Well, he's the uh, greatest king, greater than great King David. And he will fulfill all those promises to Israel. But notice here, Peter is talking to some other people who've obtained like precious faith with us. Now, the with us could be people who believed in him prior to them, but it could also easily be as opposed to the Jewish people. These are non-Jewish people who have believed on Messiah Jesus and become Christians and come to the faith and been born again. 
Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we didn't get this. I'm non-Jewish, so I'm a Gentile, right? But I'm now part of the church of God. But I didn't get this because I was so good. The Jewish people like Peter that believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they didn't get this precious faith because they did everything right and they were perfect. Absolutely not. They weren't. I'm not. But notice what he says here. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know where we get that righteousness from? Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross, paying the full price and penalty of our sin, of course, he rose again the third day, and we, when we believe in what he finished on the cross and that he rose again the third day, we're born again. And this is amazing. We are given this righteousness of Christ, and we are made righteousness because we're forgiven and cleansed of our sins, and we're made the righteousness of God. But I don't deserve that, Pastor Ed. Yeah, I know you sure don't. Neither do I. Neither does anyone listening today. No one deserves it. We get that through faith when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive the righteousness of God through Christ. Now, I want to show you something here that's so wonderful. I'm not an expert in Greek, but I've read what those who are say and I had none other than Dr. Spiros Zodiades in one of his teachings. He may have even said this to me, or it was in a book. I, I can't remember at this point. But anyway, it, he made the point, wherever I heard it or read it, that in Greek, where it says, for example, um, of God and our Savior Jesus Christ in English, that can mean, well, there's God the Father, and then, of course, there's the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's true, right? But that English word and, A-N-D, can, in Greek, it can mean even. So let me read that that way. Of God, even our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that puts a whole new light on it, doesn't it? If it's meant that way, then it's saying point blank that, you know, that we have the righteousness of God, even our Savior, Jesus Christ, where it's not emphasizing the fatherhood of God and the, uh, the, the sonship of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if it's meant that way, then it's saying that uh, of God, even our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is God. That's very interesting. Either way is true, but that puts a new light on that, doesn't it? Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, 
Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So what he says has happened to them and he wishes it for them is the grace of God and the peace of God it is theirs in uh, ever-increasing measure, overflowing, and that it would continue to be that way. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So how do we get all of this in the first place? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And it can grow and grow and grow so that it's just, is this more than we could ever even comprehend or, or um, access, you know, just more than we would ever need this grace and peace. He wants that to be increasingly overflowing in their lives. And that means our life too, because we're Christians as well, right? Now think about this just a minute. If you were thinking about, wow, things are getting a little scary around the world, and in many places in the world, they have been scary for Christians for decades and even centuries, okay? But we who live in the West, like Europe and North America and uh, maybe even to some extent in South America and Central America, Christians in that part of the world haven't been through the persecution and suffering. And it's, it's something we have to say, well, I guess it could get that bad, and I think it's going to get that bad. How bad? I don't know. But whenever, whenever the rapture happens, I think we're going to be in the middle of that to some degree. Okay? But grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So it helps me to know that I'm going to be given supernatural help, grace, favor from God, and supernatural peace. This week, something that I, looking back on it, I think, could have been something, I'm not sure, but it might have been. Um, I, I proclaim Jesus Christ, right? That makes me, I don't know where I am on the list, probably pretty far down, I would say, but I'm up probably on a list that the enemy, and I'm talking about Satan and demons have, like, man, this guy's trying to tell people about Jesus, and people here and there around the world listen. And who knows what they do with it? And then they pass it on to others and others pass it on. So, you know, we need to, we need to uh, give him the business or even kill him if God allows it. And I don't know if this happened or not. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me this week. So I'm walking to my car one morning, getting ready to go to work. And this car comes flying out of nowhere, which this never happens. It's never happened like this. And it probably was doing on what should have been like 30 miles an hour, a little side street. It was doing probably 50 miles an hour. 
I could hear it coming. I mean, it came out of nowhere. And it came pretty close to me because I was walking up the street on the, the left side and there was a big bush and had to go around the bush a little bit, you know, in the road. And uh, But this car didn't, apparently didn't deviate at all. It was just coming really fast and the driver didn't care at all. And I don't know how close it was and I, I hope I'm not exaggerating, but it seemed like it was a foot or two away from me, but it was that quick. And I took note of it. It didn't freak me out or anything like that. And I, I thought, man, that was, that was weird. Like, that's careless. And then the car goes uh, to like a uh, next part of the street and it stops suddenly. And I was thinking, this is really weird. And it just sat there. And this, all of this took probably three seconds, but I've got to continue walking or turn around and go back. Now, I'm the kind of person, if something's going down, I'm not turning around and going back. And I just kept going. I didn't look anybody in the eye. I didn't do anything weird. And this pretty big guy gets out of the car and he is not happy. I could see that he's not happy but I showed no fear and I kept walking and walked right past him. You know, by this time he's 30 or 40 feet away, but I'm just saying I kept, I didn't change direction. I kept going. And then uh, as I passed him and continued on my way, I didn't go right into my car because I didn't want him to know that was my car. I just kept going past my car. Then it seemed like he sat there for another 10 or 15 seconds, and then he took off again at about 50 miles an hour. And I thought, like, what in the world was that all about? Because he had gotten out, opened his trunk after he sat there a long time, and I thought, is he getting out a, a rifle or a pistol or what, what, a ball bat? What's about to happen here? Because it was weird. And this, is, this has never happened in my entire life. But you know what? This is what I'm going to tell you. And I say, wow, well, it's just coincidence. Yeah, maybe. I think there was something to it. I think it was demonically inspired. Say, so, well, so what? Nothing happened. I think something might have been going to happen. But the grace and peace that we read about right here, which I think includes the protection of God, and God may have dispatched an angel or two, to escort me past that. And maybe if there was something there where this person was, I don't even know who it was. Maybe they were just completely demonized lunatics. If something was going to happen, maybe, maybe an angel said, not today, Buster, get back in the car and get out of here. I don't know what happened, but it, it was weird. But if something was going to happen, I felt a shield around me. Isn't that great? Say, well, what, what are you, all that in a bag of chips? That's not my point. My point is, I, I got protection, I think I did, and help I don't deserve, but I probably needed it. And when I needed it, it was there. Say amen right here. Verse 3. Let's go back to verse two. 
Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power, that's his ability to get it done, all right? Uh, God's power, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain, that, that means relate, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that it called us to glory and virtue. Now, it's interesting that everything relates back to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Now, if you're thinking, well, Pastor Ed, if, if things really get tough like it is in China under the Communist Chinese Party or North Korea or many places in the Middle East for Christians or even in Africa. I mean, if things get really bad, how are we going to make it? Well, I don't know the exact plan, but I know why. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things. What, what if I don't have what I need? If you need it, you'll have it from God hath given unto us all things that pertain or relate unto life and godliness. That means everything that you could possibly need to live, live and live a life of godliness in terrible circumstances, you will have. Or it's your day to go that day into the presence of Jesus. Either way, you win. I love that. What what can people do to us? Well, Pastor Ed, they could do a lot. They can't touch me. They can kill my body, but they can't do anything to me. And even if I went through physical suffering and religious or political persecution, it might be, it would be hard. <laughs> I might feel that I got trucked, but somehow, I will have everything that I need that relate to life and godliness. But, but, but how? I don't know how. Let, you need to know this about me. I am an expert at wanting to know how. And I've had to give that up. I don't know how. But all I have to know is who. Amen. All right, whereby, verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Do you realize that God has made promises to his believers, to Christians? And these are not just any old promises. These are exceeding great and precious promises. And God keeps his promises. Amen. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we've got everything we need, no matter what we might have to go through. And we are, we share, uh, we don't become God. <laughs> don't ever 
misinterpret this. This written here. Uh, this is not like the little God's doctrine, which is a heresy. We don't become God, but we share in all the benefits of being related to him. Amen? Like, let's say the other day when that car went by and the guy stopped and all that, let's say that something bad was about to happen. The only reason something didn't, if it was about to, is because I am a partaker of the divine nature. I've got, I'm, I'm in this, um, the kingdom of God. I'm in the family of God and God helps me and he helps you if you believe in him. Now, notice here a great thing. We have escaped, and, and this continues to be true of real Christians. We have escaped the, the corruption, and that word means corruption, the decay, the just uh, degrading, collapsing, world system and all the filth that's in it, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That word lust is epithumia. Uh, I'm not, a, again, a Greek scholar, but it's a form of that. And it means a strong desire. If you will watch people around you, uh, where you work in your neighborhood, on media and so forth, you will notice that people have very strong, strong desires. Now, we always tend to think in the uh, physical area, but it can be people who just, they can't rest because they're not rich enough. They can't rest because they don't have control enough. They can't rest because of this or that or wanting this or wanting that. That drives the world system. And there may be a thousand aspects of that. And what bothers you may not bother somebody down the street. But the entire world system of lost people, the energizer bunny in it is strong desires. And they will kill their own grandmother if they can get that strong desire met. That's what drives the fallen world. Great news. You and I, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been born again. We have been rescued out of that. We have escaped that because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we have a lot going for us. We've got everything going for us because in the highest and rightest sense, we've got God going for us. Say amen, amen. So during suffering, persecution, apostasy from the true faith and through mockery from the world and false Christians, the average Christian might wonder, will I make it through this? And here's the answer, no. You won't make it 
on your own. But praise God, you are not on your own. As we said last week, when we go through suffering and even persecution in this world, we're not going through it on our own. We're going through it with the Lord Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of This Week in the Word. If it benefited you, I want you to like this episode. If you've never done it before at all, I want you to follow the podcast right where you're listening. And I want to ask you to do something else. I want you right now, where you are, to share this particular episode with someone that you know needs to hear it. Would you do that? That would be a great act of faith. You have no idea the ripple effect that might have in eternity because you made that effort. Thank you for listening. And if I don't die my personal death and my fitness training or the rapture doesn't happen first or Satan isn't allowed to take me out first, if none of that happens, I plan on being back next week with episode 20 of Hope for Hard Times. Bye-bye.